Hi and welcome to the Andy Gorman Golf One Put podcast and uh, I'm here with my wingman as always Gareth Shaw. Hi Gareth, how are you? Yeah good Andy, thank you, you? Yeah I'm very well thanks, we're going to sidestep you Gareth because it's much more important that we talk about our special guest today and uh, Neil Plimmer from Jolf. Um, great to have you on mate and uh, really do appreciate you giving up some time to come and talk junior golf and more importantly how you see junior golf development here in the UK and maybe even around the world. We'll, we'll discuss that in uh, in depth, but um, welcome. Um, say hi to everyone. <laughs> well, thank thank you both for the invite. Um, this is my, this is going to be my first podcast of the day. I've got two today, actually. Um, so first podcast of the day and always a fantastic opportunity to connect with like minds but also just take a bit of time out to consider, and for, for us anyway, where we've been, where we are, and probably a little bit of where we're going as well. Um, so I always love these opportunities to reflect and review what we're doing, um, and, you know, critique and discuss and pick apart, um, not only just giving our probably opinion, but also considering others as well. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, junior golf's one of those things that, I mean, it's had, sort of champions you know in in the past and you know many a many a junior golf coach is coaching great players on on tour you know now and you know i mean pete cowan you know in effect got his pathway to coaching on tour through you know coaching some you know fairly decent youngsters that we now know as you know major champions and former world number ones in the like of darren clark and lee westwood and you know What's, you know, what's junior golf mean to you? Well, that's a good question. Um, so probably over the last 15 years, so I remember vividly the, the sort of start of this, my, my journey uh, um, around coaching children um, was based at a golf club, golf professional, you know, doing all the roles of a, of a PGA professional, members playing and teaching, being, you know, and I've always sort of called it being all things to everybody. Um, and we were given the opportunity to do some work in local schools, hook up with teachers and a, and a specifically one organiser in the local area. Um, so we had that insight to taking golf outside of the golf club, which I'd never done before. Yeah. And at the same time, my my young my eldest, she was getting into ballet. Um, and, and I remember the moment. So we were still we were still doing Saturday morning, 10 to 11. Turn up when you like five pounds. Um, and that's, I think, still a common occurrence as far as junior golf within the industry. Um, and I'm sure I maybe we'll loop back to that in a second. So we were charging five pounds and doing, you know, what I thought was a, a reasonable job. Some would turn up, I'd get 10, 20, I'd get one. Um, and it wasn't a business. It was something that you sort of give back. And so started doing ballet. So we've turned up to her first ballet lesson. She maybe was, I don't know, two, three, four. And we were expected to shelve out x amount of pounds for the term we were supposed to buy the leotard the dancing stuff um the mm -hmm. shoes and i thought oh well that i sort of looked around the room saw all the parents saw the children thought, oh, this this stacks up as a business so it wasn't a business decision but it was like well i'm a professional i'm a coach um and we're charging five pounds we're getting one child we're getting 20 so if I'm going to charge more or do it more, I'd better look into how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was probably the moment. Seeing Soph do ballet and tap, and she didn't do it for very long, which is it's a, it's a different side to the story and part of our journey. But um, it was that moment when I thought, you know what, I'd like, I, 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 we, we could do this, we could do this better. And that was it, that was, that was me. And it also coincided with me probably getting rid of some of the, club pro roles that I had to, to coach more. You know, I was coaching um, county squads. I'd done some regional and some national stuff. Got a number of players that were work, working with me and I was working with them. So I'd gone from a PGA pro doing, being all things to everybody to what I'd say probably as a, as a coach being all things to everybody as well. Coaching from children in school to, mm -hmm. you know, some people that played professionally and, and squads um, and that, that was the start, you know, I can pretty much pinpoint it to Soph starting ballet. I mean, I was familiar, I'm going to say around 
2003, so a little bit before then, Young Masters Golf. Yep, yep. Did you look at that? Yeah, we did that. We did, we did that. We did that quite well. We were, we were, and, and, and so we'd gone from weekly roll-ups and again, adding a bit of structure. And I remember them coming around, Dave Gosling and the guys um, mm-hmm. coming around with the structure, the 10 week, six week program, the notes. Um, yeah. And I think it was then that it became a, a sort of professional product. And, and I, I became more aware of it being not just me giving back, not just me doing something with the members, not just my 10 till 11 on a, on a Saturday, but I think we got up to, you know, four or five sessions every week, you know, a good proportion when probably it still wasn't done. So we had, we, we had that offer, mm-hmm. the, the booklets and the structure um, and the delivery mechanism with the school offer. Um, and we were doing okay. You know, we were, we were doing all right in the area. I mean, the look and feel and, of the sessions I'd probably reflect back on and think mm, it wouldn't be what I would do now. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you know, X amount of years later, you wouldn't expect to either, but from what we were offering and then probably what was being offered, I think we were doing okay. So yeah, young masters golfer, again, pinpointing the moments through the journey because mm-hmm. we were able to, ch- we ended up being able to charge more because we were offering more both to the child and also to the parent. And I think it was then that I started to understand that our customers aren't necessarily the children, assuming you're doing a good job in delivery. Yeah. But the, the customer is definitely the parent. Yeah. And it's, it, it, I, I mean, certainly from my point of view and, you know, a question that, you know, I, I'm going to ask you now is how do you target the parent? Given the fact that obviously you've got a lot of, you know, sort of school platform, um, you know, and certainly at the time you were, you know, get the opportunity to go into schools. How do you get to the parent? You know, they're the ones that have got to make the decision, but you know, how do you get to the parent? I think, I think our, our technique or our way in the past has always been to deliver the best possible experience to the children. Um, so within our school environment, and especially now about 90% of our work is in schools. Um, so deliver the best possible experience to the children and then you know they go kicking and screaming and shouting back to the parent you know one dig off one dig off one dig off I think also as we try to develop our own brand so mm-hmm. Jolf becomes a recognized brand you know I've still got this want and desire for Jolf to be if you like the golf version of Lego um, you know so when people hear it they know that okay you know we, we associate that with a positive experience we associate it with enjoyment uh, and love and engagement and, a, and, a, and, a, and an experience that we want to come back to time and time and time and time again. It's not necessarily about even being good at golf, because again, I think, you know, again, this might be something we get to. There's far too much focus sometimes on children being good. And, you know, that idea of a child being good at something puts tremendous, it's not just pressure, but I think, um, that's the word I would use, an agenda. Expectation. Yeah. An expectation, but also an agenda around mm-hmm. the offer from all the adults involved and maybe also from the children as well. Yeah, it's a difficult one to manage. And certainly, I mean, Gareth, you've had your experiences with England golf as well. I mean, what would you offer to that? I think I think the key is the, the enjoyment and something I wanted to really ask you both because I found it very kind of straightforward going to schools and giving an amazing experience. But the stopgap for me was when we tried to t- take the young person back to the golf club. And I know golf clubs are very impatient about wanting to get these juniors in as members as quick as they can. How can we take the experience from schools and bring that into a golf club environment? Pretty much open question to both of you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously mindful of, of the fact that, you know, I don't now have a sort of an active role in the club that, you know, sort of drives junior golf or, or any member golf. Majority of my clients, um, you know, will travel an hour, two hours to come and see me. So, it, you know, they're not likely to become a golf club member. Um, that said, of course, you know, I do have golf club members, you know, out of, you know, my clients. And, you know, Neil, I'm sure from your experiences, there are many times, you know, your offering is slightly different, but, you know, there are many times where you get clients coming from outside of the club 
rather than from inside of the club. And I can say that, you know, in the six years, you know, six and a half years that I've been at Wishaw, um, you know, I've only taught a handful of, of um, members from the club, um, partly because they don't want the specialism. You know, they're quite happy to, you know, go through the status quo of moaning and whinging about their putting in a short game when they come in, but, you know, are not prepared to do any work about it. And that's, you know, we know that that's a fairly typical trait amongst a lot of golfers. Um, and that's a challenge. But junior golf is different. Um, you know, Neil, how have you found it? I think the, the leap from school to club is always a difficult one. I think the agenda's always been set that, you know, we, we see this many children in school and then once you've done that, then this many children will come to the club and onwards and upwards. Um, one of the things that I, I think I've be, begun to question this year, and especially over lockdown, is probably the involvement of the coach and coaching. So what the experience looks like within the school environment? Is it a coaching experience or is it an experience of play? Because there's a big difference. Um, and then from that next step from school to club, again, whether it's a coaching experience or whether it's a play experience, I wonder whether the jump's been so big in the past because if you go into a school environment and it's a coaching experience, you'll probably maybe switch off quite a number of children to the game um for a number of reasons mm -hmm. and then that experience that they have in school will then be quite different to the experience they have at the golf club so let's take an example of tri golf so i think everyone would be aware of tri golf um yeah it's been probably their one delivery mechanism within a school environment for a number of years now so children will experience that after that experience they'll then go i like golf or i do not like golf or i'm in the middle so let's say they do like golf they then choose to go to the golf club and the experience will be completely different. Yeah. Um, so you've got a massive jump there. So it's like showing the children different sports. So they've been given plastic clubs, plastic balls, you know, team games, relays, challenges. And then when they get to the golf club, they're then probably thrust a club that's too long, too heavy with a ball that's too hard on a driving range and then said, right, send it that far. And that's been their, their, their experience. So if you look at that as a, as, a, as a model of transition and move from one environment to another, it's sort of no wonder then that we probably don't recruit as many as we'd want to and then maybe lose them at the first, at the first hurdle or first go they get when they come to a golf club. Again, Gareth, I mean, you know, your, your, your experience in national governing bodies, we, we've, you'll have seen it. And, and I know it works because people will say it works, but having a small proportion convert from school to club, I wouldn't say works. I think if we were critical, no. the amount of children that are experienced golf in schools, we should have probably maybe seen more move to a golf club. And, I'd, and love, I, I guess, yeah. I'd love to see more of that golf club being like a community centre. So the golf still happens at school and the clubs where the children and parents will go to socialise. It's not necessarily to play golf, but it's, the schools still where they play and they have the interaction and don't rush, not rushing this transition from school to club. It's making the kids aware of the club, maybe, but not the coaching side of it. But, and I think and I think the offer needs to be much more play based. Mm. Um, and I think this is where I think we we as a, as a coaching community need to look at probably what we've done, what we've offered, how we've, and I'm going to use the word behave, how we've behaved, what our coaching behaviour has looked like within either the school environment or the club environment and what the offer, would, what has been our offer to both children and families in general. Um, because again, you know, traditionally it's always been child comes for golf lessons, um, family then sit on the side rather than, family come for golf experience and, and I know we put it on the list of things to consider you know how do we deal with parents well if a parent or an adult member of the family is set aside to the child's experience then there's always going to be potentially um we'll call it issues um but whereas if the family come as a unit to participate and as we know golf potentially or certainly I believe is, a, is an unbelievably powerful activity for families to play together. Um, mm. 
you, you honestly, I do not think will get the issues that people have if it's just the offer to the children. Exactly. Andy, you've done that as well, haven't you? With father and son golf who are online, you've done remote sessions with yeah. parent to, kind of parent and child. It's, it's involving the parents as much as you can. I know you pride yourself in that communication to the parents as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I use Coach Now as a coaching platform and I always invite the parent uh, within that um, platform so that they are fully versed with what's taking place. I'm extremely fortunate that there are you know, the parents that I work with, with regards to how, uh, you know, and we're talking about a more elite junior player, albeit there might be seven or eight years of age when, you know, I'm picking them up onto my elite programs. They're, you know, they're golfers, they're competing, you know, in junior competitions and, you know, playing on the mini tours that are around. And, you know, I'm... I, 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 if I stabbed in the dark, I would say that Neil, you're probably not a huge fan of them, but you know, I'm, I'll leave you to answer that in a little while. But um, you know, my my sort of challenge is that you know, managing parent expectations is much, much more difficult than challenging the child expectation. Managing that little junior, they know what they want from from the experience, albeit they might, you know, especially if they've come through the school platform they've experienced some golf they know what it's about parents may not or parents may be sporting parents and may see this opportunity for you know johnny or claire or whoever you know to have that opportunity to be able to sport and be able to do something within sport and they see you know when they do their little bit of recce checks and see the little you know Rory's and Tigers bobbing around as two and three year old kids, you know, on TV thinking, wow, this is what I want for my kid. And all of a sudden it just, just explodes into, you know, chaos of, you know, mismanagement, um, you know, and, and, and the challenges that just go with that, both from our coaching point of view and from how you deliver that, you know, Neil, even one of my biggest questions for, for the day and, you know, would be how, are you managing parental expectation by changing the model from the very start? Is that, is that the way forward? I think, and I, I fundamentally believe that the coach, us as coaches, the coaching community have a lot to be answerable for, for a lot of that professionalism. So, you know, whereas I think a lot of coaches will talk about, we've got to educate parents, we've got to invite them in, we've got to, We've got to work with them. I think we're 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 partly responsible for a, a, a lot of the possible issues that come up, um, and and this has come from this has come from lots and lots of children coming through the door of the clubs we've worked at and the experience we've offered, and we set the tone early on around play and enjoyment and love, and so for a long time now because of that I believe we've never had the issues that people talk about so when having these issues I sort of look back and I think to myself we don't have those because we don't set any we don't set up those issues early doors and I wonder whether if and if we all reflect back on our own experiences with children and parents and I did this with um so I had an England ice role a number of years ago if you remember that project which was fantastic and we had a lot of young people come and highly skilled you know, great people, highly skilled, a good group of parents, but I would say lots of limited beliefs around learning and um, creativity and wanting to change and wanting to put the hard work in. And it got me thinking, well, why is that the case? And I often thought to myself, it's because of their first experiences and their journey through, because I've questioned a lot of them. And I wonder if this is also the case when you come to children that are 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever age, and parents have, you know, got certain expectations because I wonder if coaches have fueled those expectations as well. And that's a challenge that I've put towards a number of coaches and, and, and such organisations in the past that we're always looking outwardly to blame, if you like, or look to the reasons. But mm -hmm. maybe we should look inwardly as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I am... You know, I'm sort of certainly open to the, you know, to the possibilities that, you know, I've, 
I've done plenty of golf lessons. I've probably given more golf lessons badly than I ever have done well. Um, you know, and have I achieved, you know, results out of those possibly, probably, um, you know, but that's, that still doesn't mean that the, you know, the delivery was good. Um, you know, and, and again, it's experiential. So the more you practice it, the more years you're in it, the more experience that you have of coaching, you refine that, you know, and one of the things that I found through the lockdown period has been, you know, you get out of the habit of what you did well. Um, you know, you can just deviate very, very slightly off track and it's then, you know, another few minutes to get back on track. You do that two or three times and you've knocked half an hour out of, you know, somebody's time. Now, if you've got two and a half, three hours to be coaching in a consultation, then it's a slightly different scenario, you know, whereas if you're coaching in half hours, who does that these days, um, you know, but or hours, then, you know, you could knock a very hefty chunk out of uh, somebody's learning experience, um, you know, by, you know, by deviating very slightly off the track. And, you know, I guess that, you know, what I'm trying to say there is, you know, the importance of a schedule that, you know, you would have, you know, do you have that? I mean, we know that, you know, schools and, you know, sort of England programs that there are, you know, sort of platforms of a schedule that you would go ahead and, you know, sort of construct as part of week one, week two, and, you know, how flexible are they, you know? We, we, um, so we've moved away from a coaching model. So through lockdown, we've parked or sort of put on the shelf our offer of coaching um, because we felt that we've done too much of it, you know, as whether it be as coaches or whether, you know, our offer. And, you know, we've made that decision and potentially it's cost us financially. You know, we could, we've been pre-lockdown, we were working at uh, two golf clubs uh, and we had a number of groups and we've chosen not to do that. Um, primarily because we want to replace it with um, facilitating the opportunity for children and families to play. You know, we've, we've, we've gone full circle and said that there's not enough playing being offered to children and families. You know, we're seeing a huge number of children within our school offer. Um, and then we want to give them the opportunity to go from that first experience in school, which it is a play experience. It's not a coaching experience. It's not, it's not, um, us delivering anything around this is the way you must do it it's us saying here's a club here's a ball we've got our six hole golf park go and play go and enjoy it that's golf mm -hmm. because golf is a game that you move the ball from a to b in lots of different ways there's nothing else to it yes <laughs> yes you can add score and yes lowest score wins but that's the game of golf so for me i differentiate hugely between playing golf and playing the game of golf which again we can come back to in a second and so, so from that experience we went we want them then to have the opportunities so the children in our school environments have the opportunity to join our golf club which is a, a, a virtual environment that then families will then get the opportunity to reach out and play at family friendly facilities where we'll set up our golf park again so the children see a golf park at school they see a golf park at the, at the golf club so same look same feel as well as we've also got access to academy course and one of the facilities we work at we also have sort of six holes on the big course so it's that play at school play at club then play more then play again then do it more then play and then they fall in love with it and then at some points they might choose to have coaching but it's not come and have coaching come and enjoy the sessions come and play golf games yes golf games can be useful but there's too much of it. I, I, I've come to the conclusion. Can I prove it? Not quite, but um, I sense that we've got something. Again, just a very quick story of a boy, 10 years old, came to one of our family play days in September, had never played golf before. So dad had, dad wanted to get started. So Harrison plays around six, 12 holes of golf park um, with, try golf equipment, play, uh, plastic clubs, plastic balls, enjoyed that. And then following that, we went and went up onto the six hole academy course, so metal clubs, almost balls. So in his first two hours, he played 18 holes. He then came the next week to Lewis Golf Club where we 
use the first six holes of their golf course. So if you like real clubs and real balls. Mm -hmm. So in his first four hours of his golfing journey, he played 24 holes of golf. Now I reflected on that. I thought to myself, okay, 10 years old, if he'd come for coaching, he might have gone six months to a year to <laughs> never well, it'd have playing been, golf. Yeah, it would have been April, wouldn't it, before the weather turned, before, you know, invariably. Yeah. And he'd so, be standing around freezing cold. Well, he'd have enjoyed it. I know he would have enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and he might have developed some skills, but he wouldn't have played, played golf. Now, he's well on his way now to playing golf again, playing golf again, playing golf. Him and dad can go and do it. We, I know they can do it because they're confident to do it because we've spoken to dad. What does he need to know? Well, he's just got to try to hit it as far as he can, hit it hard, you know, bruise the ground, do all of that, easy stuff. Go and play. They're ready to play. And, and, then, and then what about lessons? Well, what about them? You know, go and play, experience it, see what you need to learn, come back and ask us, go and find it on YouTube, go and sign up for some lessons however you want to do it but keep playing now it's we've turned it on its head because what we've said is coaching needs to happen mm -hmm. the question is when and i yes. don't think it's as soon in the journey as people people think or the the, the the golf industry thinks or probably we as golf coaches or practitioners or organizations it's not as soon in the journey as it is because i think for me coaching has become a big barrier to participation now i'm going to throw that out there for either discussion or if anybody wants to come back and disagree i'd love to talk more about it because that's what i I'm, i believe um and that's where we've sort of positioned our business um and that's where we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna explore that as we go forwards um neil that's a really really strong point you know and, a, and what a great question with regards to you know when is coaching the right when is the right time to coach you know and I've always thought, you know, to some degree, because of the way that I set my programs up these days, you know, I do a little bit along the same, you know, I get clients who can afford to come and see me, ask the question, and, you know, they've just started playing golf, or they haven't even picked up a golf club yet. And, you know, I, they, they say, you know, what's, what's it going to take to come over and, you know, spend some time with you? And part of me, you know, I mean, it, I, I'm never concerned about losing a client at any point, um, you know, because I think the right client at the right time is, is the best client. Um, my concerns are that, you know, other people, if they're in the, in the learning sort of mindset, are going to go and sort of take that mindset and, you know, that body and, you know, sort of do something with it. I'd rather not happen. Um, you know, and then try to manage that, I think is extremely difficult. I think that's where one of the biggest challenges, I think in, you know, in terms of those of us that coach full-time, you know, we understand coaching, we understand what we're doing in terms of our business models. You understand yours clearly in junior golf, um, you know, but, you know, there's an element of, you don't want some of the kids that you're managing into the game to then just go to the next golf club, you know, to go and enroll on a Saturday morning class for a roll up five pound, you know, shake me down and, you know, whack a golf ball and do what it happens on the, on the driving range, no more than you want um, them to, you know, to, to disappear from the game or learn badly. But, you know, what's your thoughts on, you know, on how you manage, you know, that side of things? I mean, look, I, I, already I'm, I recognise that you're extremely comfortable with your business model. I don't, uh, I don't think you, I don't think you can manage. I think, and, and it was, it was a. I think you can positively influence. Yeah. Which, which I've come to the conclusion because, because I've been that. Not, not that I've been a coach who wants to control everything, you know, and and thought I could, um, you know, from the minute they pick up a club to the minute they, you know, become a, a tour expert. Um, and again, this is where I sort of alluded to earlier on about is that sort of coaching with agenda, coaching with a, with a, with a sort mm. of uh, not, not in the present. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing this now because it will do you some good at some time in the future rather than I'm doing this now because it is inherently enjoyable and you, you can then have that sort of um, 
want to search out more opportunities to do it more because i think with golf there's got to be a volume to it there's got to be a volume of loving doing it and doing it loads mm. and you know what that equates to and again a lot of people have posed to us in the past um you know if we don't do things now then they'll get into bad habits and we'll have to fix those habits later okay where, where's your evidence to say that's the case well, what 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 are you where are you coming from to put that to me so if, if a child comes and they've got a sort of split hand left hand below grip well if we don't fix that now they're going to get into the bad habits later okay so so you're telling me that because well because when i was a junior and i had a poor grip and i'm still struggling because it was a little bit underhand and it was a little bit stronger i always come this way right okay so i'd offset that and this is where I sort of start to positively influence by saying, well, if we give them the drug of instruction now, i.e. tell them what to do, go from this to that, you know, and mm -hmm. no, ch no child's ever benefited, I don't think, from interlocking the fingers. Again, maybe a different story. Um, I'm with you, don't worry. <laughs> if we give them the drug of instruction now, yeah. they're going to keep going back for more. Whereas if we give them the, the want to love learning, love making mistakes, love struggling, um, figure things out for themselves, be curious, be creative now and allow them and, and support them and guide them in that and positively influence them to do that, they'll find their own best way. And their own best way might go from, and you know, this is a development stage, left down below, right, split-handed is a development stage. Children who are little do that because then they've got a nice straight long, long, long line to control the club. When will it change? Well, it will change when they want to hit it further. It will change. It will happen. And I'm going to, you know, if you're the parents, I'm going to positively influence you to say, don't worry, they'll change. When will they change? Ooh, I, I don't know. I can't tell you the dates. Um, is it going to be in week six of our program? Ooh, maybe not. Um, but I know it will. I know it will happen. Well, how do I know it happen? Because they'll want to hit it further. We'll positively influence them to, to to challenge or to go on the golf course or whatever it is. So. The managing of children and parents, I think I've stopped doing. And that, with our golf club, especially now, we have this group of families, children who are within our sphere, are interested in what we're saying. Um, and we can positively influence by, by nudging, by um, being on these podcasts, by blogging, spreading the message. Neil, where do you sit with equipment? So where, where do you feel? Um, equipment should be for juniors the first here's here's maybe the first club i think they should have is the driver a driver it's the biggest head it's the lightest club it's the one they can whack it with they can do all and everything with a driver um and then once they've got a driver then it would be a sand iron so driver first then sand iron because obviously they can hit it along the ground if they can whack it as far as they like, they can putt with it. Then sand iron, they can get out of bunkers, they can get over stuff, they can get the ball in the air. Um, and for a long time, I think children could just play with a driver and a sand iron. Yeah. Where do you think the industry's got it wrong, Andy, from your perspective as well, with the custom fitting side of things? Have, have we, have, is, that, is, is, it a drastic, is it a drastic area that we need to cover with, with juniors about equipment? Is it too light? Is it too heavy? Is it too small? Golf ball included? What are your thoughts? Um... I think, I mean, I think one of the really good points is to, you know, is potentially the weight of the golf ball. Um, you know, some of the kids really start, you know, so we, you know, under a certain age, under a certain size, under a certain speed, you know, the weight of the golf ball is a challenge, you know, nearly you've already alluded to that, you know, you know, taking that and then the weight of the club we've seen now, you know, with all due respect, you know, US kids have, you know come out with a really good offering and you know i can't say that i'm out there scrambling around looking for you know the options or you know let alone the alternatives for for junior equipment but you know gareth my bugbear is putters and you know the fact that manufacturers make putters too short when the kids when we get older or when we get taller so um you know, and, and kids putt really instinctively. My big deal, Neil, you know, I, I trust that you'll back this up just through your experiences, irrespective of what, you know, your your coaching ethos may be. I'm not asking you to comment on on how we go about it, what we do to, to make the ball roll. But kids are so instinctive. 
I remember when I was a kid. I mean, you know, heck of a long time ago nowadays. But, you know, I remember not worrying about it. I remember my dad saying to me, I think my dad was shorter than I was at the time. He said, don't cut the butter down, you know, because it was his. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the problem that we've got when we, you know, all too often nowadays is, that, you know, we, we set aside a target for the kids you know, and you know, Gareth, you know, my bugbear is, you know, little Johnny, you know, sort of out there. He's, you know, it doesn't matter what age. He gets the single figures and dad's going to buy him a Scotty Cameron custom fitted putter because that's what the kid wants. And, you know, or, you know, let's say that maybe he's, you know, he's best, he, he wants a spider because, you know, Rory uses it or whatever. You know, and they take them along to the local shop, and the first thing the shop does is chop it down. Now, part of the reason why the kid's gotten down to a single-figure handicap is because he's putting instinctively with dad or granddad's putter that's, you know, three foot too long, you know, for him when he started. He's now probably, you know, it might be 10 inches too long. But now they're going to cut it to fit just as when he's about to start growing. And his ability to be able to then grow with the putter or the putter grow with him goes away. One of the things I really love about the ping putters is their adjustable line of putters where mom, dad can go and buy, you know, one of the adjustable putters, albeit it starts at 32 inches, which is going to be around about sort of nine, 10 years of age, depending on whether it's boy or girl, you know, and then we'll grow with them right through their teenage years, um, you know, because of the way that it adapts. And I think that that's phenomenal without having to spend any more money than a, a new grip every couple of seasons because, you know, they're just not going to wear it out. Now, if, you know, we can't do that with the other clubs, can we? I mean, who knows? It, you know, potentially, you know, that technology could become available to us. But I can't see it. I'm not into that mindset. But certainly with the putters, we can. But getting putters and wedges in the hands of kids that lie right and length right, you know, is so crucial to their development, you know, to be able to get the golf ball in the air. And, well, you know, he's got to have loft, but it's got to be the right length. And it's also got to have the right lie angle. And, you know, when you your kids are three foot tall and you've got a lie angle, which is suitable for somebody who's six foot tall, how on earth can that be a benefit to the kids? Yeah. And, I mean, Neil, you, you're seeing it more often with the youngsters. I'm not, you know, sort of seeing the youngsters. Certainly back in the day I did, um, you know, when I had my program classes and stuff like that. You know, what, what what's out there now? What's happening now? I, I, I struggle to see past US kids at the moment, you know, not wanting to drop, you know, we don't get any 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 paid endorsements or anything like that. But, you know, their, their range from little ones all the way up to their goals, um, I think is 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 really good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and the only problem I really see sometimes is when parents have made the decision to go to maybe Sports Direct and buy either a, a Dunlop or something like that, which is a package set for a 60, 70 pounds, which again is fine. To be honest with you, I think my, my, my children, my, my son is into cricket and I've become more sympathetic to the parents' side of it since yeah. going down the cricketing journey. Um, so we went into Sports Direct, bought a, I don't know what sort of bat it was, let's say a Cookaburra bat, which you can get from Sports Direct, which is plastic covered and it's not very, it's just wood. It's not even a, a proper willow, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because it was 20, 25 quid and we didn't know anything. Uh, and I think that's also, you know, when we're talking about parents, I don't think we can underestimate. They don't know what they don't know. And we've had that with, with cricket. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we don't know, you know. So I've had to ask a lot of what I would consider to be obvious questions. I don't mind asking the obvious questions. I'm yeah. not sure the people that I've asked them to have been expecting me to ask those obvious questions. Yeah. I'm not sure they've set up the environment where they, I'll say allow or, or want or, or expect parents to ask obvious questions. But again, I think, you, you know, having an environment or having people that you can turn to, to ask those obvious questions. So we're now into the, James is now into the, the idea that he, he wants to buy the, Scotty Cameron, the spider of cricket bats. Now, again, I don't know what I don't know. He's got a brand that he likes. We went to the, the factory, which is close to us through the week. We turned up. Um, it was an amazing experience. And they just said, you don't need it yet. Come, come back when you're ready, which was wow. great. Now, yeah. you know, 
probably would we have got that if we were looking at a, a spider or a Scotty Cameron and we turned up at a local pro shop or something? I don't know. How much <laughs> how much does it matter at the moment when he's 10, 11 years old? How much does equipment matter? Again, I suppose it depends on who you speak to. How much does it matter relative to the amount that they're playing, the amount that they're still enjoying it? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, they've got a long time of playing golf. A long time so you know you know James wants to have this specific bat because that's the brand that's the one everybody has he's some of his players have got it now he knows that they also make bats for everybody else as well he's loving it so they're the only ones he's going to go to is it the same for children so I think and I do wonder and again I'll pose this question if they, they're, they're following the brand of their heroes that could be more powerful and possibly better and negate the fact that it might be a bit longer or a bit out of, out of shape for them at a particular stage. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I hear you from the other sport angle. I totally hear you from there because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with it, albeit maybe not necessarily firsthand, but, you know, look, we've, most of us have had kids that have gone through football at, at yeah. the very least. Um, you know, and so they always see their favourite player wearing a certain pair of shoes. Right, that those boots are bloody expensive. Cost three yeah, hundred quid. Yeah, and it's not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're but one they don't pay for them. No. <laughs> grandma you know. and grand, grandma and granddad might. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, I've always been a little bit sort of. Uh, again, I've been a holder. I've done exactly the same for the for my kids with their golf equipment as I have done with the football and other sports as well. And you know, there's a point in time. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, sort of a conversation that I saw. It was um, I'm, I'm going to say there was a chat show host. I'm going to say that it was Letterman, you know, in the states who was ho- you know hosting Steve Harvey, the comedian and um, part of the Kings of Comedy and. You know, he was talking about having, bringing, upbringing, you know, of kids, teenagers in, in the modern world, you know, and, and expectations of teenagers, um, you know, well, you can, you're a multimillionaire, you're very successful, dad. And, you know, Steve, just very nonchalant, he says, yeah, you're right, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I want these Nike, you know, Air Jordan shoes, okay. He said you can have some of those over there, the 39 bucks ones, because he hasn't worn the last 39 bucks ones out. So unless he's worn them out, he's not having the Jordans. Until he wears them out, he's not having the Jordans. And until he can afford them, he can't. He's having the Jordans. Yeah, yeah but I you can afford it, Dad. Yeah, you're right. I can afford it. You can't. And I think yeah, I've, I've, I've had that kind of mindset. But, you know, it's more to the point that I'm more than happy. I think you would be as well as you, you took, you know, your lad down to go and get a bat made for him. And at the right time, he's going to get that back. But actually, he was told, he was guided. It was like you are, you know, through the appearance of the conversation we've had so far, you're guiding, you're, you know, allowing the the wisdom of choice to come out of it. You could have still gone out there and spent a couple of hundred quid on a bat, but you've chosen not to on the advice of the experts. And I think again, it's where we can we can positively influence, and it's and I, and I, and, I, and I think relative to golf, and I look back, and I think it's you know especially with maybe young people, children. So why do you want that club? What's it going to bring to your game? And maybe as coaches, rather than not rather than, but as well as you know offering the good advice around the setup of the club and the type of club. You know, what's it going to bring? Why are you doing it? You know, I've been with players to custom fit centres in the past. And it's always about the education and the experience. And, you know, I remember going to a, somewhere with a player and to get a new driver. And, you know, it's a really, really difficult thing, getting the right spin, getting the flight, the right shaft, and not sure what to do. And we had a, it, it wasn't like one hour. It was a, it was a long period of time because it was also yeah. a substantial investment. And I think we might, we're making these investments. I think it's knowing that it's there for a reason. Um, and then if the player or the person or the child is is empowered to, it's their decision, then I think better buy-in then. It's got to be better buy-in. So again, it comes, yeah. back to that, comes back to that point I made earlier, which is probably about positively influencing mm. the, 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 the child, the young person, alongside the adults, the coach, the parents, 
um, so that everyone's in on, in on the decision and given their 10 pennies. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, and I think, that, you know, the thing I've, that really is refreshing is that, you know, that there are other golf pros out there with a similar mindset, you know, albeit, you know, I may have my stickler over the fact that, you know, a putter is not something you bend double over, you know, it's yeah. some, but something that you, allows you to roll the ball effectively along the ground whilst allowing instincts to determine how hard you're going to hit it, um, you know, in a reasonable direction as well. I mean, you know, my sort of direct experiences, you know, of playing golf with my kids and, you know, and the experience that I had as the junior playing golf with my dad was that, you know, my dad encouraged me to make mistakes by trying and then guided me after making the mistake to why that maybe not have been the best choice. Not that he necessarily had the answer in that, you know, in his limited golfing capacity. And I think this is really important to understand as well, that parents, you know, feel like they have to be the pro with limited experience and capability in their own rights. Maybe fear not saying something or fear that saying something, you know, is right or wrong, but actually just to encourage the opportunity, the encourage the, you know, the risk, you know, the challenge. It's not life threatening. Hopefully, as long as you're not trying to put it through a three inch gap, um, you know, six foot in front of you. You know, so golf doesn't offer too many life um, challenges. Um, but actually, as we know, golf does offer life challenges in the sense of, you know, how we determine certain things out on the golf course, the decisions that we make, the consequences of making decisions um you know positively and negatively then determine what we have to do going forward with the next shot which ultimately affects decisions that we're going to make in our future you know and it could be as daft as you know hitting the shot in you know i'm going to try and play a shot over the water which then ultimately means that there's three or four more shots played over water for, albeit closer to the hazard because we just haven't executed it properly where actually we could have played up shorter and wider and you know delivered the golf club in a much more sort of simplistic way onto the back of the ball and you know but we've all done it and we've all had to make those mistakes in order to learn that what is risk and what is reward and then you know when we're making those decisions in later life about life you know golf offers that and more you know to to determine what decisions and the consequences of decisions are and you know that's i think something that your program definitely gives kids that opportunity and parents the opportunity to get out there and allow mistakes to happen and what the consequences of those mistakes they're not mistakes to start with they're just experiences and i'm sure you know you choose language you know just listening to you and and how you you know articulate across to us um, you know, so far, you know, is the understanding of you would choose your words very carefully that a bad shot isn't a mistake, you know, no more than a good shot needs apologizing for yeah, yeah, absolutely. it's a quick to apologize for hitting a good shot. And you mm-hmm. go like, did you try to hit a good shot? Well, uh, you know, and then they try to justify themselves, you know, to, so they understand that actually they're trying to do it. You don't need to apologize when you do it because actually it's part of what you're trying to do, but you know, and don't apologise for hitting a bad shot because you didn't try to hit a bad shot. I think it's also reframing good and bad. You know, I, I, I would say, well, what is it you intend and where are you at with what you intended? So, you know, there's not even a positive or a negative towards it. Or well, this, is, this yeah. is what I intended. This is what I did relative to the skill set and the, the technique and the, the decision-making. Again, you talk about decision-making, which I think is really interesting, available to me today. Okay, well, let's then review on what you did and what you intended to do. And then that gives you that opportunity to learn and then take it forwards. Um, I suppose we're still working with and playing with children that are just playing and playing for playing sake and mm. I think for us it's sowing that seed but you know if children then chose to and this is where I said earlier on for, for me I, I differentiate hugely between playing golf playing for playing sake stopping when you want making the rules up as you go along kicking it throwing it playing golf and then playing the game of golf and so playing the game of golf has boundaries has rules has formats mm-hmm. um, and you know if, and, and, and even then 
I differentiate again between playing the game of golf better. Better is probably the wrong word, but that's where we're at at the moment. Playing the game of golf better, which is where then that child or player has chosen to want to explore new ways and different ways of doing it. So it may well be that the children we work with don't have any formal coaching until they've made a decision to play the game of golf better. Um, and that's where we, we're sort of working through that journey at the moment, but it's become very clear, crystal clear to me that I think we, the sport has offered playing the game of golf better before going through the process of playing golf and playing the game of golf. And I think, I think it's missed out those two, two, two milestones for a lot of children and families. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking, sitting here thinking about my journey, you know, and, and, you know, all of my listeners have, have experienced the journey that I experienced with my dad and, you know, how intrinsic my dad was to me growing up and, you know, football and, and golf and, you know, the experiences that we had on the golf course and how positive they all were. Well, there's one or two not so positive, but, you know, there's always going to be one or two of those. But but the overwhelming positive experience that I had you know, as a kid growing up, you know, is the legacy that I have, you know, now, you know, as a coach, I believe that, you know, it's about the experience that you have, you know, in terms of that it's not all about, learning it's about shared experiences about understanding that it's not all about holding the winning putt or be i'll teach you how to do that guaranteed um <laughs> but, it's, but it's um you know it, it's about the experience about that learning experience about that learning not just necessarily learning to become a better golfer but that learning experience of how to become a better individual whilst you're out experiencing the sport that we know as golf yeah. And the, you know, the positivity that, that that brings around it. And, you know, the, that comes across in spades, you know, that that's what you're doing with the Jolf program. And, you know, I've got a question that I don't really want to ask, but it's a question that has to be asked because the challenges around your refreshing approach to this is anti-establishment for want of a better expression, it's, yeah. it's not golf as we know it. Who knows what golf really is anyway, because it's all changing. And I think it, and it should, so it should, but how are the establishments that your working environments are based at receiving? And then I've got another question, which will sit on the back of that. So, Well, the establishments are schools, yeah. So the offer to schools is is solid. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if there are schools listening, if there are teachers listening, please get in touch because you are very very difficult to get hold of because you're busy people. Um, just put that one in there. Golf <laughs> clubs. Yeah, we know golf, that. Golf clubs, I think, um, been an interesting year, hasn't it? You know, because they haven't had to go searching for customers this year. Yeah. You know, the customers have been piling through the door. Um, green fees. You know, access to golf course is really difficult. Um, I think the offer to children is has been quite traditional. I think you've got pockets of really good practice, you know, coaches that have maybe dedicated themselves to do it and do it phenomenally well. And it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult to do. It's not tricky to build a business around coaching children. You know, if you're good at it, if you're the right person, if you've got word of mouth spreads quite quickly. I think golf clubs, the ones we've spoken to, are open to a family offer. I think they appreciate that they need to attract the whole family. And what we're offering is saying, you know, we'll go into the local schools, we'll connect with them, we'll bring people back, we'll offer something a bit different, that family play, we'll make use of your off-peak times. Off-peak times will come back, you know, I think we'll come next yeah. year, there's going to be off-peak times. There hasn't been many this year. Um, but one club we had in particular, they also want to be doing the right thing. They want to be, not just seen to be doing the right thing, but doing yeah. the right thing. You know, they want to be, not it's not even giving back it's you know we want more families to come to our facility yeah, exactly. enjoy our facility um anti-establishment it may be disruptor i mean you know I, I it may be that we're a disruptor but we're not we're not we've done we've lived it we've lived and breathed this for a long period of time we've i wouldn't say we've done everything but you know i've been fortunate to go to different parts of the world to speak and listen and you know meet with people and it, I've come back to the power of 
golf, the power of golf, of, you know, whacking a ball around the field, fresh air, walking, exercise, being together, community, sense of belonging, families. And that's where, you know, I don't think the sport's done a very good job of engaging the family. I think it's generally been done in silos. The child, parents are over there. Yeah. Dad might traditionally play. Mom wouldn't, but let's try and get mom involved. And, and it's all very bitty. Whereas our offer out of lockdown now going forward is engage and, and, and offer the, the whole family an experience so that they can then choose to do it again and again and again. And then after that, you know, if the club that we're working at and the golf coaches and the pros, if they want to offer the children's sessions, if they want to offer the mom, the dad, the auntie, the uncle, the grandma, the granddad, the coaches, go for it, you know, make them your customers because they'll still be our customers as well. Um, but then we're going to get more people playing golf. And, you know, I sit here now and, and just think it's got to be a no brainer for golf clubs to get involved with. Um because we're no threats. We're not coming in and redesigning your coaching program. We're not coming in and saying what you're doing is, is, is good, bad or indifferent. We're just saying, you know, we want to be able to have utilize off peak space. Um, but even then it doesn't need to be off peak because the way we format the offer to families, they get around quickly anyway. You know, there are ways to get around families around nine holes in an hour and a half. That'll be quicker than your, your, your nine o'clock four ball of, uh, of people on a Saturday morning. I promise you that. <coughs> Is there a, is the scope for the families and, and do you offer? I mean, I'm just thinking about this. Is that, you know, the family learning experience all in one or is it just the, you focused on just the kids at the moment? No families. So, so as mom and dad, if they've never played golf before, are they welcome to come along and learn in exactly the same way as the kids at the same time? They're, they're, in, they're in, invited, they're included, they're involved from the outset. Fantastic. I mean, I so, don't know in all the years of, you know, 43 years of golfing, I don't know any golfing community facility. Crazy golf does it. Yeah. Sorry? Crazy golf does it. Apart from crazy golf. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is where the industry, the industry said crazy golf's over there. Yeah. And golf's over here. And it's not taken what crazy golf is brilliant at, a very simple task no rules, no competition unless you want it. Family playing together, two-year-old, 10-year-old, mom, dad, auntie, uncle. It's not understood that and then said, we can get you out on the big golf course. I mean, you know, when you when you add to that, my only, my, my caveat was going to be, you know, top golf is, is starting to, Maybe. you know, encompass that. And with that then is the adventure golf facilities, the crazy golf yeah. that goes typically on site. Yeah. And so we're using golf equipment to have a family experience, which, you know, ultimately is, you know, is phenomenal because it doesn't matter if dad's a pro because the leveler is the equipment. You know, that rubber ball and the rubber headed putter, it just finishes you completely. If you think yeah. you can go and play on one of those, <laughs> you know, so, but I think, you know, that's where golf, I think is, it has, tripped itself up you know i think it's 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 all too often tried to try to be all things to everybody rather than you know i'm not the marketing expert we've got the marketing experts isn't there but you know it's it's knowing your customer and um it's not, it's knowing your customer and knowing why we because so, someone said to me why do you coach and i think that's a really difficult question to answer but they then said to me well who do you coach and why and then it's getting to the nub of that. So if we know that our customers are the family, so, you know, where do we go to get the family? Well, we go into schools, we go into community settings, we offer what we do, and then obviously we try and bridge the link back to the golf course. And so, you know, for us to understand the family and the unit and, you know, our own experiences with our, with our own children, as well as, you know, seeing a lot of families and involving them. You know, this discussion that goes on around sport nowadays, of educating parents dealing with problem parents you know problem parents are such a small percentage there are there are there are 0.1 and yet all of the time around coach discussion social media is around those problem parents and they are such a small percentage of people because generally 80 90 95 percent of parents they're brilliant they're, they're dropping off their most precious commodity to us and trusting us with us 
why, why would they want to cause a problem? They just want to be involved and included. They don't need to be engaged. They don't need to be educated. Just involve and include them. Yeah, we took it. We've taken it probably one step further and said, <coughs> "We're not even. You're not even an add-on." Like I said, you're not even an add-on. Just we, everybody's involved. Bring everybody. I love it. I love it. I think it's a phenomenal. Gareth, have you got any thoughts? You've been, you know, just sort of nodding away and, you know, chuckling in the background. But you know, I know that junior golf was a passion to you. You know, a long way back, we talked about it. You know, over the over the years. You know, what what are your thoughts? I just think. Have you got any been, questions? It's, I mean. it's it's been refreshing just to sit and, and listen to two passionate individuals, not just about junior golf, but golf in general. And and for me, I think we've got to go back to basics with the governing bodies, with the powers that be, and take some of the discussion points that we've discussed today. Golf can be any guys. It can be adventure golf. It can be top golf. At the end of the day, that's how we're going to get to the families and. I hope that people listening to this podcast and other pros kind of take something away and take something away of just reflecting. I know that's what you've both done throughout lockdown. You've both reflected a lot about mm. your businesses and about how you move forward. I just can kind of commend you for that. And just to kind of finish up, because I know we've only got a few minutes, but just to ask to both of you, would you encourage other professionals out there to almost specialise? Because that's what you both have done, specialists in your own areas. Would you encourage that with aspiring professionals and maybe professionals who've been in the game a long while? Yeah, I mean, for me, absolutely. You know, it's, um, you know, and, and how much you niche, niche, you know, as you know, we talked a little bit before we came on air and, you know, what is the niche and, and how much do you niche the niche? And, you know, from a point of view of you become very specific in what you offer it's not about being then a jack of all trades and master of none. You become a master of the trade that you are, you know, so passionate for development, not necessarily even improvement of the golfing skill, but the development of the golfing skill so that the experience then is more positive and the fun and, you know, the enjoyment level go going forward. I mean, that's Neil, you know, like I say, we, we spoke about it earlier, um, you know, I'll let you add to that, but I just want to add one little sort of point on there. If the magic wand was waved um, and, you know, everything, all things being equal, you know, we had no restrictions, you know, to the facility, to the costs, etc. what would Jolf look like in five years' time? I think I said it earlier, it'd be, it'd be golf's Lego. So it would be, people would know that the experience they're going to get is a positive experience for children and families. You know, whether that be in a school environment, whether that be at a club, um, you know, we want to increase the participation of children and families playing golf. And, you know, we know that we, through the mechanisms which we've got and what we know, we, we know we can do that. It's not that difficult. You know, we've, we've stripped it back. We've stripped... We've had to strip the game back as far as we can. You know, we, we've worked in schools where children are, um, you know, in wheelchairs, don't have a huge range of mo movements, and we've had to strip the game back as far as we can. And that opportunity we had to do that, to strip it back, then allows us to build it back up. So for every child and every family that comes to us, we know where the game needs to start for them, and then we support them and guide them. And this is, I think this is the important thing. For them... The individuals to build the game up how they want it rather than impose the game on them i think for too long the industry and us as coaches or whoever has imposed the game the way they see it on people and so we That's you know at one of our taglines is, is always it's their game their game your game to, to do it on your terms in your time and in your way lovely way to yeah. finish andy that yeah. uh, it's fabulous it's fabulous but neil it you know, I'd just like to say thank you so much for your time. Um, for the listeners, uh, where can we find more information about Jolf? Well, thank you as well. Thank you both for inviting me on. As I said at the beginning, the opportunity to um, meet with minds and reflect and review and get things down and, you know, make some notes for myself is, is tremendously valuable. So um, thank you for that, first Very and well. foremost. 
Website is www.jolf.golf um, and then jolf.golf or jolf.golf. You can find us on you know, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And then if anybody wants to get in touch, you know, we, we, we want to be uh, a place where families, adults, children can ask our advice. You know, we'll give our opinion, we'll give our thoughts. If we don't know, we, we've got a, you know, a number of people that we can reach out to. So again, you know, through that, if they want to email us, it's neil at jolf.golf um, easy to find it's fantastic i would say that you know it's a cracking facebook page so can have a look at it uh, lots of information on there and uh, easy to navigate as uh, we hope that everything is that we do but uh, it, it really is um neil it's been an absolute pleasure uh, for those listening as you know you know where to find us we continue to do this we're working with industry professionals uh, to bring a better golfing experience for yourselves and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have uh, our guest on today so neil thank you again Thanks, Gareth, for all the work that you've done. And uh, we wish you all the very best. Stay safe and well, and we'll catch up with you next.